Good afternoon, Ms. Vandenberg. We hope you're feeling better. Um, thank you both for your flexibility with us uh, being able to go ahead and uh, hear this case, State versus Alvarez, uh, which is the case we'll hear next, and Justice Dietz is recused in this case. Uh, we will hear from the appellant. Thank you, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court. My name is Zachary Dunn, here on behalf of the state. The Court of Appeals erred in at least two respects. First, the panel refused to consider whether officers had a reasonable, articulable suspicion to stop Mr. Alvarez's vehicle when they witnessed the vehicle veer off the road. This refusal is in conflict with multiple decisions of this court, most notably Griffin and Mitchell. Second, the panel's analysis on the checkpoint issue was erroneous as well. As this court recently stated uh, just last year in Cobb, a checkpoint designed primarily to serve the purposes closely related to the necessity of ensuring roadway safety have been held to serve a legitimate primary purpose. And that is what we have here in this case. Uh, so at bottom, we will ask this court to reverse and remand the decision of the Court of Appeals. Um, <clears throat> moving to the reasonable suspicion argument, uh, as this court has repeatedly stated, but most, off, uh, most recently in Griffin, uh, where a law enforcement officer possesses a reasonable suspicion that a defendant was violating the law, a traffic stop is constitutional, and it is unnecessary for this court to address the constitu constitutionality of a driver's license checkpoint. Uh, that's from Griffin. It's also very similar language from Mitchell. Uh, but here, the Court of Appeals panel flipped that principle on its head. And in a footnote, it held that it was unnecessary to address whether officers possessed independent, reasonable, articulable suspicion when the defendant, quote unquote, purposely availed himself of the seizure. And so in essence, what the Court of Appeals did here was they created a purposeful availment exception to this court's rulings in Griffin and Mitchell, uh, holding that as long as a vehicle uh, eventually comes to rest at a checkpoint, any reasonable suspicion uh, that the officers formed prior to that uh, vehicle reaching uh, the checkpoint uh, may not serve as a reasonable suspicion for the stop. Um, so running off the road, stopping a vehicle on the side of the road for a period of time, uh, deposing, uh, disposing of potential contraband, uh, none of that matters even if, even if the officers see it as long as the uh, car eventually comes to rest uh, at the checkpoint. Uh, and so we, we would ask uh, your honors to uh, reject this purposeful availment um, exception uh, to the long-held rule as stated in Mitchell and, and you know, consistent with Mitchell and Griffin hold that courts must consider an officer's argument that they obtain independent reasonable suspicion for a stop before considering the constitutionality of the checkpoint. Um, and so if the court agrees uh, with the state's submission on that, um, it could simply reverse and remand on that issue. Uh, alone. However, uh, in the interest of judicial economy, we would ask your honors to uh, reach whether or not these officers in particular had reasonable suspicion in this case. Uh, and we don't believe it's a close case here. Um, you know, the reasonable sus uh, suspicion standard is well known to this court. It's a low standard. Police officers may develop reasonable, articulable suspicion to stop a car based on their observations uh, that reasonable or that. Um, uh, that criminal activity may be afoot. And that's what we have here. All three uh, officers uh, that were at the scene that day 
testified that Mr. Alvarez's car ran off the road while approaching the checkpoint, and Deputy Hill testified that if Officer Tester did not order Mr. Alvarez out of the car, he would have, uh, and Deputy Shu testified um, that you know running off the road indicated to him that there might be in some impaired driving. Um, and so that is enough in our, in our submission uh, to form an independent reasonable suspicion to stop the car, and then therefore the court need not reach uh, the constitutionality of the checkpoint. Uh, I, I will note, uh, while certainly not required, um, running off the road is a criminal violation in and of itself under 20-146-D1, uh, leaving the road of travel um, is, is a criminal offense or a traffic offense. Um, and so that alone would get, even without Deputy Shu testifying that uh, he thought some impaired driving might be going on, um, you know, witnessing that criminal offense or traffic offense would be enough uh, to form the reasonable suspicion for a stop. <clears throat> I would like to make a couple of points on finding a fact number 11. Um, it's one of the three findings that we challenged in the Court of Appeals, but it's the only finding that we challenged here, and we think it's really important. Um, in finding a fact number 11, the trial court found that the location of the checkpoint played a role in the vehicle's alleged failure to maintain lane control, and that uh, the, that led to the subsequent arrest of the defendant. Um, but no evidence or testimony supports this finding of fact. Uh, and in fact, defendant's counsel, uh, during her closing submission to the trial court, this is at uh, transcript page 48, uh, stated, quote, we have no testimony as to whether or not the checking station might have caused defendant to look down or something as he approached, as he was approaching and ran off the road. So as you know, defendant's own trial counsel acknowledged, there was uh, absolutely no testimony or evidence uh, tending to suggest uh, that the checkpoint itself played a role in the failure to maintain lane control and, and veering off the road for a short period of time. Um, the Court of Appeals in, in sustaining this finding of fact and finding that, it, um, uh, that competent evidence supported it relied on testimony from Officer Shu, uh, and this all takes place on page 17 of the record, or of the transcript, excuse me, um, and where Deputy Shu said that, um, you know, when you come around a bend in the road and approach the checkpoint, there is still that brief moment before they actually realize what's going on and they slow down. Um, it, if we read, uh, you know, our submission here is um, that that was a hypothetical that Mr. Shu was entertaining uh, questions from defendant's counsel on. He didn't say that Mr. Alvarez came around a bend and then saw the lights. Uh, Mr. Alvarez's counsel uh, was asking, you know, basically challenging why this specific location was chosen for the checkpoint um, and said, you know, the, the reason for the checkpoint is the background, someone in a single car accident um, died at near or at the scene where they were conducting the checkpoint uh, because of speed. Um, and so, you know, defendant's counsel was kind of challenging the reason why they put the, che uh, the checkpoint in this particular place, saying, well, isn't, you know, if you're looking for speeding, you're trying to, to, to slow down drivers, wouldn't you want to, you know, run uh, an odometer or, you know, a speed um, investigation? Uh, and, you know, that's, you know, Officer Shu said, you know, that's one thing we can do. Um, 
but then, you know, the hypothetical continues, and that's when uh, Officer Shu makes this comment about, you know, if speeders are coming around a corner, they see uh, the checkpoint and they still have time to slow down. Um, so we think a proper reading of the transcript uh, would uh, say that this does not support finding a fact number 11, which should not be binding on this court on appeal because it's not supported by competent evidence. Uh, before moving on uh, to the constitutionality of the checkpoint, uh, I would like to make one final remark about a specific passage in the Court of Appeals opinion uh, where the court held uh, that a, the trial court could reasonably find that a driver coming around a corner late at night and confronted with flashing blue lights might pull over to the side of the road to assess the situation. Uh, and we think that this is really problematic language. Um, uh, that was included in the Court of Appeals holding. Um, and, you know, so long as the defendant eventually purposely avails themselves of the checkpoint, uh, again, nothing that the officer saw um, could be used uh, to form independent reasonable suspicion. So uh, assessing the situation could be uh, something that is claimed by a defendant uh, when really something more nefarious is happening, you know, ch changing who is driving the car, attempting to get rid of contraband, those sorts of things. Uh, so we, we really feel that this, um, this particular passage from the Court of Appeals opinion is, is problematic. Um, if the court agrees with us, again, on, on those issues uh, and finds that the, uh, the officers had an independent articulable suspicion, uh, of course, there's no need to get to the constitutionality of the checkpoint. That's the holdings from Mitchell and Griffin. Um, but if the court does reach it, um, we believe that the Court of Appeals erred in its uh, analysis of the primary programmatic purpose, uh, which is the first step in determining whether a checkpoint is, is lawful. Um, in 2004 in Mitchell, this court held that because checkpoint stops are minimally intrusive and are not subjective stops like those arising from roving patrols, checkpoints are viewed with less scrutiny than roving patrols. So it kind of sets a lower standard um, for checkpoint cases as opposed to others where it's, where it's a roving patrol or, or a one-off stop. Um, and this court adhered to this logic in Mitchell in State versus Cobb, uh, which I mentioned was just last term. Um, in that case, the court held that the ultimate question is whether a seizure is reasonable under the Fourth Amendment and that an initial matter for the court to consider is the primary programmatic purpose. Um, and so, you know, with that, I would t turn the court to the initial quote uh, I gave at the beginning of my arguments today, uh, where this court held, again in Cobb, uh, that checkpoints designed primarily to serve purposes closely related to the necessity of ensuring roadway safety have been held to serve a legitimate primary purpose. Uh, and that's exactly what we have here, uh, Your Honors. I, I would note in Cobb, the reason that was given for the checkpoints uh, was to look for Chapter 20 or traffic violations. And here, uh, that's exactly the reason that was given uh, for the checkpoint. Chapter 20 violations as well as checking for driver's licenses. So um, those uh, fit neatly together um, and support our argument that this checkpoint had uh, a proper primary programmatic purpose. Um, again, this is, this is another place where the court could come to a stopping point. Uh, the Court of Appeals did not reach the brown the three prongs of, of Brown reasonableness. 
Um, so this court could simply correct the Court of Appeals error uh, and remand it uh, for an analysis of the, the Brown's three prongs uh, with this court's assistance uh, um, in its opinion in Cobb, which had not come out at the time that this, uh, this opinion was delivered by the Court of Appeals. But if the court does reach uh, the reasonableness factors, um, we do believe uh, that each one weighs in favor of the state and a finding of reasonableness here. Um, so, uh, of course, the court is aware, but I'll just run through them. The three factors are the gravity of the public concerns served by the seizure, the degree to which the seizure advances the public interest, and the severity of the interference with individual liberty. And in Cobb, this court held that the first factor is almost always met uh, because, quote, our nation's highest court has held that driver's license checking stations typically satisfy uh, the first brown prong. Um, and so, you know, we think that's, that's the case here. We were looking for Chapter 20 violations uh, and for uh, driver's license. Uh, and so we think that the first factor is met. Um, and then the second factor uh, is, uh, you know, the use of time and location limitations in establishing and operating the checking station provides evidence that the vehicle stop was appropriately tailored. And again, that's what we have here. We, uh, we had testimony from the officers that there was a set time limit uh, for this checking station from between midnight and 2 a.m. Uh, they were stopping every car uh, that came up. Unless there was a real bottleneck, then they would release all the cars at the same time. Uh, and that they had the supervisor's permission uh, to run a checking station at this time and this place. Uh, so we think that the second factor uh, weighs in the state's favor as well. And the third factor, uh, finally, again in Cobb, this court recognized that the third brown prong shifts focus to how the checking station was conducted and requires the checking station to be carried out pursuant to a plan embodying neutral uh, limitations on the conduct of individual officers. And again, that's what we have here. Um, not only did we have the supervisor's permission to run the checking station, uh, but also introduced into evidence um, was the Rowan County Sheriff's Office um, checking station form uh, and their uh, rules and regulations for running a checking station. Uh, so all the evidence in this case uh, tended to suggest um, that, that, this, that this checking station um, was carried out pursuant to a plan embodying explicit uh, neutral limitations. Um, I will say one final thing before I sit down, and it's um, something that uh, the Court of Appeals expressed um, an interest in, uh, and that is why this specific location was chosen for this checking station. Um, uh, like I mentioned previously, uh, this uh, location was chosen because there was a one-car fatal accident roughly one night before, uh, and they wanted to set up a checking station and check for driver's license um, checkpoints. Uh, and the Court of Appeals and the trial court uh, found some kind of uh, tension between uh, the stated prim primary programmatic purpose, uh, which is to check for driver's license checkpoints, and the reason why they chose this particular stretch of road, which was because there was a one-car fatal accident. Um, but I, I would just point your honors to uh, General Statute 20-16.3A, subsection D, uh, which says that um, the placement of a checking station shall not be grounds for a motion to suppress or a defense to any offense arising out of the operation of the checking station. 
so I, we don't think that there's any tension between why they chose that particular stretch of road and the primary programmatic purpose. Uh, but even if your honors did believe that there was some, um, because of this statute, uh, it, it cannot be a defense or, or a reason for a motion to suppress. Um, so unless there's any further questions or any questions from the bench, uh, I would just uh, close uh, by asking this court to reverse and remand. Thank you, counsel. Thank you. We'll hear from the appellee. May it please the court, I'm Catherine Vandenberg from the Office of the Appellate Defender here for Mr. Alvarez. The checkpoint here violated the Fourth Amendment because it had no valid purpose. And there was no reasonable suspicion to stop Mr. Alvarez for briefly driving off the road as he approached the checkpoint. The trial court's findings were supported and its ultimate conclusion was correct. I'm asking that you affirm the Court of Appeals as written in the concurrence. Um, this court is well aware of the standard of review when reviewing a trial court's um, order on a suppression motion, whether the findings of fact are supported by competent evidence and whether the conclusion of law is supported by the findings of fact. Um, starting with the checkpoint, <clears throat> there was evidence from which the trial court could fairly conclude that there was no legitimate purpose for this checkpoint. The U.S. Supreme Court requires finding a primary purpose for any checkpoint at the supervisory level. Under the Edmund case, um, the court also says you look to all the evidence and the circumstances when determining the purpose. You don't just take the state's um, word through their testimony at a hearing. Um, the evidence in this case that the trial court looked at about the supervisor's primary purpose um, included four or five things. One, the supervisor, who was Sergeant Myers, um, didn't testify at all. So there was no testimony from the actual supervisor himself. Um, then we had the testimony of Deputy Shu, whose idea it was to um, have this checkpoint. He testified that he approached Sergeant Myers and asked for it. During his testimony, he gave multiple reasons, um, varying back and forth for the checkpoint. One was for licenses, one was for Chapter 20 violations, and one was for um, due to the accident. Um, we also have the officer's testimony about their actions in the checkpoint. What were they actually doing there? And um, as best one can tell, they were checking licenses for the cars that came through. They were not checking for speeding. You can't, obviously at the checkpoint, you can't check for speeding because people have slowed down. But they also weren't checking, you know, they could potentially have had someone trying to clock people before they reached the checkpoint or in some other way check for speeding. But um, in fact, they weren't doing that and they stopped no one for speeding. So there's that evidence that the trial court could also have considered. Um, and then finally, there's um, the policy and the checkpoint form itself, which were introduced by the state. And Rowan County's checkpoint policy, um, it's at the record in, on pages 14 and 15, the, very first statement is, this policy allows for checkpoints for driver's license and DWI. It doesn't say anything about um, speeding or any other Chapter 20 offense outside of um, licenses and registrations, which are part of Chapter 20 also. So that the policy would, um, the trial court can infer that it would either have to have been for licenses or DWI, 
there was testimony that it wasn't for DWI, so that leaves licenses. Um, and then the checkpoint itself, the form that was filled out by Deputy Hsu, um, Rowan County's form doesn't have a line for what is your primary programmatic purpose. Um, it sort of skips that step and it says, what is your justification for this location? And in that blank, the officer wrote about this speeding accident, which had occurred one or two nights before, sort of near this intersection. Um, as Mr. Dunn said, a teenager apparently was speeding and drove into a tree and died. Um, and I, it, it looks to me from the trial court's comments at the end of um, this hearing when she gave the oral ruling is that she understood the officers were well-meaning and they felt terrible as they should about this accident and wanted to do something. I mean, that's sort of the impression after the full hearing. Um, and the problem is that's not a primary programmatic purpose. Having a checkpoint for licenses doesn't have anything to do with the speeding accident. Having a checkpoint for speeding doesn't make sense in the first place because that's not the way you catch speeders. You catch speeders with a speed trap, you know, where you're clocking people. And it wasn't a DWI checkpoint and there was no other reason for it. And so based on all of this evidence, the trial court had plenty of um, competent evidence to support her finding that um, there was no primary purpose here at all. The trial court made that finding um, a few different times on, um, in the order on record page 30, there was no primary purpose at all. The state failed to provide a primary programmatic purpose and the primary purpose was not for one of the valid enumerated purposes in state versus rose. So all of those findings um, were supported and those findings um, are therefore binding on this court. If there is no pro primary programmatic purpose that is valid, then there's no point in doing the brown factor weighing because that the primary purpose is what you're weighing against. And if there's nothing there, um, there's no reason to do weighing of the brown factors. And that's what the Court of Appeals held. The Court of Appeals agreed, um, all of the judges on the Court of Appeals agreed that the checkpoint had no primary purpose. Um, that was valid. Um, can I just ask you how you would reconcile, and I think I'm right that this um, order granting the motion to suppress was before our opinion in State versus Cobb. Yes. But if in State versus Cobb we said that it, that it was uh, constitutional to have a primary purpose of checking licenses, and, and here there are findings of fact that that, well, she, she finds that um, the stated purpose of the roadblock was to check license and registration. Mm -hmm. And, and you've told us that what they were actually doing was checking licenses, then consistent with Cobb, don't we have to find that this was a valid purpose for this check? Um, no, for a few reasons. One is that the trial court, that she did say in the findings of fact that that was the stated purpose, but that's not the same as finding what the actual purpose was. And in the conclusions of law, the court found that none of the, um, purposes in state versus rose, the validly enumerated purposes was um, present here. And one of those is licenses. So essentially the, the trial court did find that this wasn't for licenses. Now, um, of course checkpoints for licenses are, you know, a regularly occurring um, activity and um, 
that doesn't mean that every checkpoint for licenses is okay. That's clear from Edmund, um, the Court of Appeals, I wanna say McDonald, um, then Judge Davis um, wrote a nice quotation about just because something is generally approved or this is a sort of a standard purpose just like DWI might be, you still have to look at this particular checkpoint every time and find out you know, what is the purpose of this one? And that's, there's also language in Edmund about you can't just call everything a license checkpoint or you can't just call it a DWI checkpoint, but really your purpose is something else. Um, so I think it's true that in every case, the trial court should be looking at all of the circumstances in this case and deciding what the primary purpose actually was and then going through the weighing analysis if there was a primary purpose here. Um, I also think that the trial court's finding that it wasn't for licenses is accurate. The state has contended this wasn't for licenses. In their briefing, they say this was for speeding and safety of the public. Um, so um, I don't believe that it's a foregone conclusion that this was certainly a license check. I think it was a, che a checkpoint that didn't really have a valid purpose. Um, as I said, the trial court's conclusions um, are binding, or facts are binding on this court, and its conclusions were reasonable, as the Court of Appeals found. Um, I don't believe the court needs to get into the other Brown factors. Um, there's a lot of briefing on that, uh, which I would stand by. I think um, there's no need to go into that at this point. I will also say the trial court did make findings on the other Brown factors. They were sort of summary, but... Um, they are present in that um, paragraphs four and five in the record on page 30 and 31. Could, could I just follow up on that point made by Justice Earls and, mm -hmm. and ask you to address um, finding of fact number two? Before you get there, I, I do see finding of fact three where the, the court refers to the stated purpose of the roadblock. So I understand your point there. But, but finding a fact number two is worded a bit differently. Um, Let me look. Sure. The roadblock was referred to by the deputies who testified as a license checkpoint and was set up to check and was set up to check license and registration and to investigate any other traffic violations referred to as chapter 20 violations. So, so how should we interpret that? I mean, well, first of all, I will say this order um, is not the best written order. It's a lot of the language is not very clear, and you can't really tell what the purpose of some of the sentences are. And you know, be that as it may, trial courts are in a different situation. They don't have the time to think things through the way that we do at this level. So um, that's number one. But also, this sounds to me like a recitation of what was said by the deputies. And it's true, the deputies, some of them said, you know, at times, this was a license checkpoint. We were checking licenses. But then they said, no, we were checking for chapter 20 violations. Just for speeding, no, for all of them. And then, you know, really the purpose of this was the accident. You know, Deputy Shu said that more than once. And so I think given all of those things, the trial court could sift through, right? There can be evidence that's contrary to the ultimate finding as long as her finding was supported. Would you concede that at least on its face it does appear to say that the purpose was 
license checks and other violations? Um, well, I mean, it says what it says. I'm not going to argue about that. Okay. Um, I think what it meant maybe is a different question. And I'd also point you to the conclusion of law um, that talks about it not meeting the purposes of Rose. It may actually be in the facts. Well, I won't stand here and look, but um, I know that the trial court made a finding that the um, stated purposes in rows were not shown here by the state. Um, moving to the reasonable suspicion question, um, I think it's fair to say that since the state did raise this reasonable suspicion issue in the hearing, that it um, is appropriate for the, it would have been appropriate for the Court of Appeals to also address that. I don't know about one ground being, there doesn't have to be a certain order. I think the trial court and the Court of Appeals um, should have addressed both grounds if they wanted to um, allow the motion to suppress. Um, the trial court did, in fact, address um, all of the Brown factors. And then in um, granting the motion to suppress, it um, impliedly also denied the fact, the state's argument that there is reasonable suspicion. Um, if you look at the transcript, the, the um, argument about the reasonable suspicion occurred right before the trial court ruled. I mean, the, the state had just finished arguing and the defense answered it and the trial court said, you know, I'm granting this motion to suppress. And this is Judge Wagner, who's a resident Superior Court judge that's probably heard hundreds of motions to suppress. And if she were persuaded by that argument that going out of the lane, you know, gave reasonable suspicion, she wouldn't have allowed the motion to suppress. I think um, that her ruling um, is entitled to deference under the standard of review that we have. Um, in addition to that, there was no reasonable suspicion in this case. Um, the evidence about what happened was not in conflict. The, of course, this is from the point of view of the officer, right? It doesn't matter what Mr. Alvarez might have said about why he pulled over, but we're looking at a reasonable officer standing there at the checkpoint observing a car going off the road. All the officers said it pulled off to the right two-lane road. The right tires both went into the grass and then it came back onto the road and, and proceeded to the checkpoint. Um, there was no detail about whether the car stopped, how long it stopped, how far away this was from the actual checkpoint itself, or how fast it was going at the, you know, did it slam on the brakes and pull off? Was it driving, you know, there's no detail given about um, the speed or the other conditions, except that the officers all, or at least some of them said um, that there were no other violations besides leaving the lane that they observed. So there wouldn't have been reckless driving or um, something along those lines that the officers could have pointed to. Um, the trial court found that the location of the checkpoint played a role in the vehicle's alleged failure to maintain lane control. 
There is a statute, Mr. Dunn talked about, 20-146, that says as nearly as practicable, entirely within a single lane, a car should be driving and shall not be moved from such lane until the driver has first ascertained that such movement can be made with safety. So we're all allowed to pull over on the side of the road, right? That's not against the law for all sorts of reasons. And it doesn't violate this statute unless it's done without ascertaining that it can be done safely. So if there's someone right behind you or all sorts of other circumstances. So that's one piece of why this didn't raise reasonable suspicion. And the second piece of why it didn't raise reasonable suspicion is because there's a reason that he pulled over onto the side of the road, or at least a reasonable explanation for why he pulled over onto the side of the road, just like if there was a deer in the road or a car wreck or an ambulance coming, right? There are reasons that people will pull over and that takes away the suspicion from it, as opposed to someone just driving down the road and careening off. Maybe that gives you reasonable suspicion by itself. But in this case, when there's an obvious reason for pulling over momentarily and then going onto the checkpoint, then there was no reasonable suspicion. No one testified that that's what Mr. Alvarez did, and that's because it doesn't matter, because this is an objective test from the point of view of an officer. But there certainly was evidence that that would make sense as a response. There was Deputy Hsu's testimony that this was coming around a curve, so it wasn't in plain view. They didn't have a big sign saying checkpoint ahead. A driver coming along on a dark rural road in the middle of the night and coming upon some blue lights would very reasonably pull over or stop or something and try to figure out what's happening. So I wanted to ask you about your characterization of the defendant's action as just simply pulling off the road. You argued it's not unlawful to pull off the road, but finding of fact 10 says that the officers observed the vehicle fail or that the vehicle failed to maintain lane control when the vehicle's two right side tires went off the road and then came back onto the road before coming to a stop. That's not someone simply pulling off the road. They're saying the car appeared to, the driver appeared to sort of lose control of the vehicle, right? Help me understand. It didn't say lose control of the vehicle. It said left the lane. Like lane control means staying in your lane, and he certainly failed to stay in his lane. We don't know any more than that. You know, the officers didn't testify to anything further except to say that they didn't observe any other violations. We don't know if he stopped. We don't know how fast he was going. But you seem to be saying that, well, he may have pulled over just to sort of get his bearings. Do you think this finding of fact supports that characterization? Sure. The only thing that failing to maintain lane control means to me is that he left the lane. It doesn't say he was driving wildly. And, you know, and we don't know even if it was intentional or accidental, the fact that he went off. I mean, again, you're looking at it from the point of view of the officer standing there. Thank you. Thank you.
Um, and my final point, I think, will be that, you know, Judge Wagner heard this evidence. She heard the prosecutor's argument that this was um, cause for reasonable suspicion independent. Um, one other point is that, unlike in Griffin and Foreman, Mr. Alvarez was not, in fact, stopped separate from the checkpoint, right? He, he went to the checkpoint, and that's where the stop occurred. In the other cases, the stop happened elsewhere, you know, elsewhere. One of them drove away, and the policeman followed them and found them in the driveway, and the other one, the person turned um, or appeared to be turning around and leaving. And that's where the stop occurred, and that's a significant difference. You know, we're talking about, theoretically, they could have stopped Mr. Alvarez for leaving the lane, but that's not, in fact, what happened. So that's one more sort of way to separate this case from the other. But, but in Griffin, they, they couldn't stop the defendant in the regular course of the checkpoint because the defendant was leaving. Right, right. So how is that significant? Well, I think especially if you're um, in response to the state's arguments about you know, people could do all sorts of things between when they see the checkpoint and actually go there and, you know, commit wild crimes and, and somehow have a safety from then going to the checkpoint and saying, well, everything's fine then. You can't look at what they did. Um, I don't read anything like that in the Court of Appeals you, opinion. You're not saying that independent reasonable suspicion disappears Correct. if a defendant doesn't leave the checkpoint line, are you? No, no, of course not. So, yeah, I mean, someone could start firing out their window or, you know, all manner of things could happen. I'm saying that in this case, because the checkpoint was there and it provides an explanation for why someone might not, you know, might have pulled over to the side of the road, that's enough to take away the reasonable suspicion. For a very minor crime, you know, may I add, failure to maintain lane control and then correcting right away, it's... I don't know what's more minor than that. Um, are, is someone really going to pull? Is an officer really going to pull someone for just going off the road and coming back if there's no checkpoint and nothing else going on? Um, and if there's a reasonable explanation for that, like an accident or blue lights in the middle of the night, um, I think that takes away your reasonable suspicion. And again, the final point I was going to make is that Judge Wagner heard all this evidence and made her conclusion and it was supported and under the deferential standard um, that this court has set um, I believe that the checkpoint had no primary purpose that there was no reasonable suspicion independent of that to stop Mr. Alvarez and ask this court to affirm thank you counsel rebuttal Yes, thank you, Your Honors. Just a few quick points. Um, this court can and should reach the reasonable suspicion argument first. I, that's clearly what uh, Mitchell and Griffin say. Uh, if an officer possesses, possesses reasonable suspicion, it's unnecessary to determine whether uh, the checkpoint itself was constitutional. So we think that this court should reach that, um, that issue first. Um, to defense argument, you know, that this was a minor crime, the fail to, failure to maintain lane control and, you know, questioning whether an officer would really pull someone over for that. 
there was unrebutted testimony from the officers. The officers were the only people, the only people who testified at the hearing uh, that, you know, this failure to maintain lane control, veering off the road, coming back on, and then um, coming to arrest at the checkpoint uh, made them feel that there might have been some impaired driving going on. Uh, that was clear, unrebutted testimony uh, in the record, uh, and so th we believe that that is reasonable suspicion um, here. Um, <clears throat> Uh, one final point. Um, can I, sorry, but can I just sure. understand yes, that? So it is a reasonable person standard. So what the so what the officers it, it, they themselves individually felt about what they saw isn't what we're analyzing. We're analyzing what a reasonable officer would have could have concluded from what they what was observed, right? That's right, Your Honor. Under the oh, sorry. Were you going to? Well, no, please go ahead. I'll, oh. I'll follow up. Okay. I was just going to say, you know, under the relatively lenient standard of a reasonable articulable suspicion, just if there is some reason to believe that there might be some criminal activity activity afoot, uh, and you know, we would say that these act these officers acted reasonably, uh, seeing a car veer off the road, uh, and it, you know, it made them think that uh, that impaired driving might be going on. But we think under the reasonable uh, officer standard uh, that 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 forms the basis for reasonable suspicion as well. Sorry, Aaron. Well, just, <clears throat> and, and so the, the reasonable suspicion is of any criminal activity or are we looking at whether it was reasonable to suspect it was impaired driving? I think it can be reasonable suspicion of any criminal activity. Um, and, and so then that would, and it does seem to me that it, ma it matters all of the circumstances, right? It matters that, it, that they were coming up to a checkpoint after turning around a curve and I guess this was at night, seeing blue lights. And so then my question is, we would, have, we would essentially be holding that any time someone veers out of, out of their lane where there's an, a reasonable explanation as to why they should, it's still reasonable to stop them and investigate whether they've committed a crime. Um, a few points. I, I would say, you know, the around the corner thing, we have our argument that finding a fact 13 is not supported. Uh, there's no evidence in our mind that you know there was a curve right before this checkpoint. Uh, but your your honor's right. You know, blue lights, uh, late at night, all of those things. Uh, you know, a categorical rule that veering off the road always gives reasonable suspicion. We don't think the court needs to go that far. Simply that in this case, uh, given the circumstances that were there, um, you know, however minor we want to characterize the uh, the vehicle infraction, the failure to main lane maintain lane control, uh, plus swerving off the road, um, which gave the officers reason to believe that there was impaired driving going on, uh, is enough for reasonable suspicion in this case. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Unless there are any further questions, again, we just ask the court to reverse. Thank you. Thank you, counsel. Thank you both. Mr.